Rob, how's it going? Oh, it's going okay. Just you okay. Know, I do have, yeah, I've, I still got a lot on my mind. About what? Listen, here's here's my final word about Avatar, okay? <laughs> okay, no, I'm just, no, 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 I'm just joking. We don't need to keep doing this. We don't need to. We don't need to keep doing this. It's okay. That's so funny. <laughs> I swear, this is like one of the primary subjects that this, like, I think we could put that under the ca- official category of this podcast at this point. It's like a yeah, gaming yeah. avatar debate. The political uh-huh. sports podcast, I guess. If I could name four <laughs> sort mix. of pillars, <laughs> or editorial lines, yes. all of those uh-huh. would be in there. The four columns of the insurgents. I like it. <laughs> Gaming, <laughs> politics, avatar, sports. <laughs> so relatable. Yeah. It's just like this is this is why we have the legions of followers that we do because we appeal to such a wide variety. It hits so many different uh, important cultural signposts for people. It's called yeah. marketing, folks. Look it up. That's right. I'm adding anime to the mix. That's that's my next quest. There we go. I'm, I'm all in column. on Attack on Titan. Yeah. yeah. Anime. I'm, I'm okay. becoming a... I'm going to be a weeb. Is that what they Great. call it? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think so. I don't know the terms, man. Weeb, weeb Jordan all right. That's very that's exciting. Right. You got to check it out, though. Uh, Attack on... T- like, I've, I'm about halfway through the first season. It's fucking crazy, man. Okay. It's great. I'll watch I, it. You should watch it. I think you'd like it. Yeah, it seems yeah. pretty cool. Just watch actually. the first episode. If you if you hate it, you're out 20 minutes. If you like it, yeah. you'll... Yeah, you got another few seasons to look forward to. Yeah. And you don't want to be the sucker that's going to wait for... I think Netflix is doing a live action one. I'm pretty sure. Really? I think so. Maybe they're just... There's one of the endless adaptations that didn't go anywhere anyway i'll consider it i will consider it isn't the new like isn't there attack on titan fortnite crossover stuff going on in this season it's this season yeah Yeah. okay yep so all the different pleasure centers are being massaged there cool that's right it's just half my personality is becoming just this (laughs) stuff Exactly. <laughs> and in other news, we've seen the thing about everyone's pandemic mental health is actually doing fine. And this is this conversation is evidence that yeah, both you and I are, are just thriving, still just totally thriving. <laughs> what what That's mental so health funny. crisis? I'm doing great yeah. personally. I mean, there was there was a, there was a period in fall of 2020 where my friends and I would just send Shrek pictures back and forth to each other. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious at the time and I was thinking about it the other night. It's like yeah. people must have thought I was fucking insane. In retrospect, maybe that was not quite as normal <laughs> as I was thinking. <laughs> anyway, yeah. folks, uh, thanks for joining us for this episode. What, what episode is this? Was this episode 159? 59? Unbelievable. Uh, we've got our friend Ed Zitron mm-hmm. returning to the program today talking about this um this situation with silicon valley bank and all the drama and chaos that's been swirling around the silicon valley tech world this week ed is one of the best to uh talk through these subjects with and he was he was in rare form in this episode i think people are going to really enjoy that (laughs) and it was we actually had a really great bonus episode for our beloved paid interns who we also had a wonderful time with during the Oscars this week in our exclusive, highly elite, inner circle paid intern chat. They were able to experience previous episode that we did with Lucas Kuntz, who's running for Senate against Josh Howley, talking about uh, a lot of the similar stuff and the way that Howley is kind of this hollow populist who pretends to kind of support working people while being from this like banking family, basically banking Skyon. A lot of great stuff going on in the Insurgents podcast this week. That's right. Yeah, the episode with Lucas was was pretty fun. Uh, fellow Magic the Gathering player, so yeah. we had some really important discussions with someone who could be a U.S. senator within the next couple of years uh, about Magic the Gathering and why it's the greatest game ever created and why Rob needs to play. Yeah. Uh, on a less important note, yeah, he gave us his thoughts on Silicon Valley Bank. <laughs> collapsing, uh, and what he would do, uh, you know, as a senator to rein in 
the financial elite in this country and get money out of politics because that was also fueled by lobbying and campaign contributions by that bank and other financial elites. To get that episode, to get every other paid episode for our paid interns, and also to join future live chats like the one Rob mentioned we had for subscribers over the weekend during the Oscars, you can head to theinsurgents.substack.com and subscribe for just five bucks a month. You get access to every paid episode. You get an additional episode every week, live chats, and so much more. You help keep this show going, and we greatly appreciate everyone who has subscribed already. Should we get to our conversation with Ed? Let's do that. Um, this is a great one. Again, Ed was in, it was in rare form, so I don't think you're going to want to miss this. And our friend Ed Zitron will be joining the program right after this. Who's got small talk? Any of you see that Silicon Valley bank? No. That's not, that's, not good. <laughs> that's the main thing. Damn, Silicon Valley know. wank. Again, I just I'm I used up all my idle chit chat in the pre recording moment. Fucking hours of conversations. So I yeah. I, I can talk about <laughs> stuff when it gets going, but I cannot lead a conversation right now. <laughs> Yeah, I, will, I, will I just got off a three-hour stream as well. So we've established in previous episodes, Ed, that you are a gamer, which is good, which is why you got an back. What have you been playing lately? And also, have you watched The Last of Us? I haven't watched The Last of Us because I find found the game shit. thought the game was dog shit. Wow. I thought the story okay. seemed wow. fun. Wow. But Hot the controls take. were crap. And I've watched people in reviews be like, oh, yeah, well, it's good the controls are bad. It shows the struggle of humanity, to which I say, no, it's bad the controls are bad because the game is harder to play. If the game was good and easy to play, I don't mean difficulty wise, I mean if it just felt good, I'm sure I would like it. The show looks interesting, but I I don't know, I've just not really been into it. I've been playing the shit out of Hades, though. I've been really okay. pushing on Hades. I realize Hades is several years old, but I love it. That's okay. Uh, I haven't played Hades yet, but uh, everyone says it's great. I've tried a couple quick playthroughs, and after fir- my first death, I've just kind of thrown my hands up and thought, this game isn't for me. Uh, Rob, have you played it? I haven't. I've heard a lot of great things, though. Well, I just got a text saying that I accidentally misidentified Ken Klippenstein as Kevin Klippenstein, so that is that is his new name. I think he goes by that as well. That's welcome. That's that's welcome here, yeah. actually. Yeah, uh, I think you're allowed to do that. We're a very anti, anti-Ken and now anti-Kevin podcast. Kevin Klippenstein. Oh Kevin Klippenstein. Ah, is it Stein or Stein? Uh, Stein. Stein. It's, it's Stein. It, it could be either. Uh, <laughs> he, Ken's wrong. Ken's wrong on this one. It's it's Stein. <laughs> this has been a persistent uh, subject of conversation and, and debate over here. For now going uh-huh. on three years yeah so ed we wanted to have you on uh, because you wrote uh, over on substack about the silicon valley bank collapse and we talked about it on our last episode their you know their investments into bonds and the shifting interest rates led to you know uh, a lack of liquidity when people started to pull their money out and ultimately that bank got shut down over the weekend, we saw tech and financial elites demand that all of these bank accounts be covered. You know, people on the left were cheering on just the the, the idea of hanging these these companies and account holders out to dry. These people who had thresholds above the FDIC uh, insurance level. Uh, but then, you on the other hand, you saw Silicon Valley tech financial elites talking about the necessity of the government to step in to cover all of these accounts. Now, uh, we were talking earlier, I I had mentioned before we started recording how I thought it was very funny that some of those people were uh, begging for this government assistance after, you know, criticizing government programs for the past few years, and specifically student debt relief, and then patting themselves on the back as if their tweets solved the problems. They were cheering on themselves that, you know, the Jason Calcanis tweeted something like, you thank the person who pulled the fire alarm when there's a fire. And I'm curious for someone who thinks about this industry and this sector of our economy, uh, what you made 
of that part of the response, like this this tech and Silicon Valley and VC uh, community and sectors response to this crisis? So I think the big thing that people are missing, and it's completely forgivable, is that Jason Calacanis is a venture capitalist. David Sachs is a podcaster. I don't even think he invests. Most of the loudest voices and the people you despise in tech are not actually tech workers of any kind or even founders. Obviously, every few weeks, some founder pops up and is like, well, personally, I think children should pay to go to school. And I mean the children themselves, which means they should have jobs. There's always some insane <laughs> libertarian take that pops up. But the vast majority of the people that would have been washed out of SVB died would have been founders and tech workers because it was about 50% of US startups were banking with SVB. The problem is that I can understand anyone's fury, even though this money that came from the deposits was a, a taxation, tax is the wrong word, a, fi- a fund funded by the bank. So it didn't come out of taxpayers' pockets. I can understand and share the frustration of how quickly this came together, how expedited the massive amounts of capital were, and how fucking crooked so many people in tech are who were saying, well, we shouldn't forgive student loans because we are not the ones that should pay for someone else's mistakes. Then literally asking the same thing. But the problem is the loudest people in Silicon Valley aren't fucking people doing work. They're venture capitalists. And most of them aren't even like the majority of VCs who are just kind of usually investing in relatively boring software shit that makes industries run in a way that is fairly inoffensive. The problem is that the loudest people in Silicon Valley fucking stink. They suck so bad. They're so annoying. And they're annoying and noxious. And they're not necessarily stupid, but they're so much dumber than they think they are. And so you're in this situation where you have the least sympathetic and least needy people begging for money and then taking credit for something that they didn't fucking do. Jason Calacanis didn't do dog shit. That guy needs to shut the fuck up. I'm sick of hearing from him. I'm sick of seeing him. I'm sick of his opinions. Sick, sick of his all caps and his lowercase tweets too. And I think he is a, a complete twat and someone that needs to just shut the fuck up. He didn't do anything when he joined the war room at Twitter and he certainly hasn't done anything now other than accelerate the panic that could have endangered his entire goddamn industry. I'm sick of him. I'm sick Sick and fucking tired of him. It has been very funny seeing this kind of reaction and seeing these like Silicon Valley types kind of take stock of the reaction they're seeing and saying like, wow, it certainly seems like people around America and indeed around the world totally hate us and think we're all assholes and are cheering for us to lose all our money. And they're just like completely yeah. surprised by this. They can't believe it. But it's like, yeah, that's how that's how everyone thinks of you. Yeah, it's not 2014 anywhere. Like no one really believes any of these stories that come out of Silicon Valley anymore about this like tech revolution that they're facilitating that's going to make everyone's lives better, that's going to make us work less, that's going to create this future of automation and having everyone have access to more resources. You know, everyone knows by now that that's complete bullshit and always, always was. I mean, obviously Elon Musk is the the face of that kind of fraud. And yeah, they're looking around now being like, I can't believe people are still drinking this Kool-Aid. People don't believe that we're these like altruistic savers of humanity. And it's like, no, yeah, everyone hates you. But that is part of the problem for Silicon Valley. They branded themselves like that for no reason. It would have been totally fine if people who made like SaaS software were just like, yeah, I make software for sales or business or whatever. Yeah, I make tech for whatever. Fine, cool. Be happy with that in your life. But there are so many loud assholes who were acting as if people making software were somehow an elevated class above any other worker. And I think on some level it was to justify the massive amounts they make in some cases, but honestly not in most cases. Like Tech workers do traditionally make more, but it's not like they start at a quarter of a million dollars. Like I'm not saying they're poor at all, but it's like entirely a branding issue where you have people suddenly being like, oh, why does everyone hate us? 
I mean, it's only like the three or four TV shows about how stupid we were. It's the public pension funds that were fucked up because all of these people invested in FTX. It's because the loudest people have been whining about cryptocurrency for years, trying to push through an, another unfair financial situation that fucks over everyone who isn't on the inside of the casino. Yeah, of course, people hate tech. It's very easy to hate tech. I run a public relations agency. I know this. I deal with this all the time. Most journalists, fairly decent with it. But if the average person on the street just fucking hated every tech person, I could fully understand it. I really could. And this situation was a great time where tech could have been like, you know what? I'm actually really glad the government's here. I, I realize we are, I'm grateful for this. There was no gratitude. That was really sickening. There really wasn't any like, Phew, we're lucky. It was like, well, Jason made the tweets. <laughs> we're all good. Fucking wretched yeah but then there were there were less popular people who did have similar kind of level-headed takes on this but at the same time goodness gracious the we like the uh, i could go on about this specific point forever i guess i guess there was a general theme in some of the responses right to this this animus from you know critics from working people toward the tech sector and it's that whoa, whoa this this why does everyone hate us response that you try that you saw and edward on uh wrote a piece in slight which i thought was was pretty funny and he tweeted it out venture capitalists are parasites who couldn't be trusted with the financial institution that wow. held up their industry let alone the direction of our <laughs> technological development euthanizing them is imperative if we want a better world and that's obviously tongue-in-cheek but the reactions to that like mark andreessen compared him to a nazi this guy nate fisher who i i don't know uh quote tweeted it with this sort of rhetoric is how you end up with things like the rwandan genocide which was just it's such an insane i would love to hear a rwandan yeah i'd love to hear rwandan's take on that yeah no totally it's the exact same thing yeah yeah i I say as someone with a chunk of my family killed in the holocaust i don't fucking think it's the same thing mark i think it's quite different Yeah, they see us. They see a crossing guard uh, as they're driving through a school zone, and they're like, "Well, I guess the Gestapo's out today." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's oh, it's just boy. underscored this kind of this the way that these people want to be perceived. And again, I go back to Elon Musk because I think he's the ultimate example of this. That he can't, he's not satisfied just being this like immensely powerful industrialist. He also wants to be treated as like the savior of humanity at the same time. Uh, that's the kind of level of arrogance that a lot of these crowd are kind of operating under. Um, you know, it's like not only you're not fucking just save something. Yeah, exactly. That would be a good start. Yeah. If you want people to actually do that. Yeah. But it's like, or like Uber, like, yeah, it's not that we're, we're, yeah, we're really like empowering people. We're empowering these working people, not just like creating a, an app that destabilizes the, uh, taxi industry which destroys like the actual ability of people to earn a decent living in that industry and completely opens it up to anyone to be completely exploited by this totally unprofitable company um that's totally propped up by this kind of like zombie vc cash um and this kind of like tech uh, silicon valley fraud like we're seeing implode right now but they can't just admit that they can't just admit that they're kind of vultures that are just kind of trying to create a, an app for taxis and that they're exploiting people, but they want to be treated like they're these fucking gods at the same time. And that's what that's we're seeing that kind of contradiction blow up right in their faces right now. I, I have a very gut based feeling about this. Also, I want to add something. Teddy Schleifer over at Puck, who I begrudgingly accept as journalists that they've, they've done some good work, even though it's like the call is coming from within the house kind of. He actually wrote this long piece called The Ron Conway Bailout. Ron Conway, generally, everything I've heard, every interaction I've had, decent bloke, doesn't seem to invest in like the children crushing machine or anything like that. He was the one that actually made this bailout happen. He is the one that reached out to like Kamala Harris, Barack Obama, and so on and so forth. So the actual person who deserves credit, if you want to call it that, is like Ron Conway, not fucking Jason, all caps, twat face, Calacanis. Fucking hell, Jason. Do not come to Vegas. I'm going to scream at you, legally speaking. I'll call my lawyer beforehand. Anyway, um, but I really think that you're right about this kind of hero complex, but I think it comes from a place of guilt in some cases. 
guilt or just complete psychosis where like David Sachs, <laughs> do you know how David Sachs made his money? No. He sold a company called Yammer to Microsoft that was basically Twitter for work. It fucking sucked. That's how he got rich. He then took over distressed HR company Zenefits and he ran it pretty well. Neither of these things give you any expertise in geopolitics, Ukraine, Russia, or banking. <laughs> Using a bank account does not give you any fucking experience. Also, David Sachs made one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen. And I'm going to scroll down because I really want to read this out. To give you a prelude here, this motherfucker is a libertarian. <clears throat> not sure I've self-identified as a pure libertarian since college. And even libertarians understand the need for government to prevent bank runs. What? <laughs> yes, also, what? The, the, but also, that's not libertarianism anymore. That stopped yeah. being libertarianism. Also, you went to college. I don't know. Like, if, a pure libertarian is just—I don't know. I think libertarianism is fucking corrupt ideology anyway. Yeah. But I think the a lot of what they're a lot of what they're doing right now is those who they want to a lot of these loud Silicon Valley types want to aspire to being heroes of industry, but they know they're never going to do it. Working at Meta, working at Apple, maybe you are not really, there's no industry. There's no industrial complex like there used to be. You're not like the car guy anymore. There are many car companies. There's many TV companies, many software companies. You're nothing special. You could make millions in Silicon Valley and no one would know your name. And frankly, that sounds good. Like, having the money and none of the pressure. But some of these people, they get the money and they've realized, oh, I was miserable. I've been miserable since the day I was born and I enjoy nothing, but I have all this money. What if I got a lot of attention? <laughs> mm. And then they go completely insane online. That's what happened to David Sachs. A few years ago, he was just kind of a weird, normal, like normal as one can be, being rich in Silicon Valley, just a regular guy. Then he got like, Musk poisoning. I don't know yeah. if, if you're just near a family law office for too long, you get Elon Musk poisoning, but it's, and so he just went demented. Jason Calcanis has been like this forever. He's always been this kind of charlatan, vaudeville villain, little bastard, whining about stuff that doesn't matter, sitting on lots of money, doing nothing with it other than crying. He's always been like, Sack's kind of demented, but all these guys seem to shame, share the same thing, Elon Musk included. They're fucking miserable. They want attention. They're desperate for attention. They're desperate for people to like them, but also liking them isn't enough. They also must be the smartest boy who is the most special boy. Mr. Special Boy must be told he's special and get his special biscuits. That's why they suddenly inherit these insane opinions, because they're like, oh, if everyone's mad at me, that's good. Yeah. That's the ultimate virtue of their like kind of uh, that's like the ultimate virtue in their sort of incoherent libertarian belief system. Everyone's yelling at me, so that must mean I'm the smartest guy in the room. It's like actually it could mean something the exact opposite in in many way in many cases. It's the Steve Jobs quote about first they hate you or some shit. I don't I don't remember what the it was like first they hate you then you win or something. I don't know. That feels more palatable coming from a deadbeat dad who happened to like in help bring the eye in than a guy who worked for an HR software company and otherwise spends 90% of his time getting pissed off. Uh, on the Ukraine, the Ukraine-Russia stuff, I, I didn't realize until this weekend that David Sachs also uh, is like armchair general and has been writing uh, columns over the past year or so about yep. the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And there was one in the American conservative from September of last year. Should America go all in on you on Ukraine? And you dismiss him as just, you know, a, a HR software company guy. But I'm sorry, Ed, after reading this, I don't know if you're going to be able to uh, push back on his his you know, his geopolitical analysis here, Washington is playing high stakes poker against an adversary who has just declared his willingness to go all in. Are we prepared to do the same? I, let's, I mean, how you can't rival that. That is, that is, That's pure. The kind of ge you can't get that geopolitical analysis anywhere else. Absolutely. You can't put a price tag on that. Yeah. I, 
I think it's funny that Felix did Felix Biederman of Chapo did this this medium post could be as much as 10 years ago where it was like Jeff newsroom and it was just this insane walk I think he was making fun of like 10 committee or 20 committee I don't know any of these people but it, I remember that and I'm just thinking yeah this sounds identical to it this is the same fucking I don't really understand how anything works let alone war or politics or even the weapons used or the countries I could not point to them on a map I think Ukraine and Russia are the same country I've never really looked nor have I Googled it, but trust me when I say something should be done. Here is 2,000 words. Comparing it to a game, which is really like the purest distillation of like dumb, uh, you know, armchair uh, Warhawk guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're comparing something that is really one of the most horrific and evil parts of human behavior, and you're likening it to a game that kids can even pick up and play. You know, the same thing happens with like risk and you know, sporting events, that kind of shit. We see it throughout our politics, but when it comes to foreign policy and especially war, it's especially heinous because it completely simplifies just how horrible and traumatic war actually is. I think you can make a comparison between that and what happened with SVB, though. These people are all armchair bankers. They're armchair managers. They're armchair executives. They don't. David Sachs, Jason Calacanis, Shamath, the, all the. the people on the all in podcast they manage funds but they don't run companies like they're not actually they're no longer founders they've been founders in the past i believe in david Sachs's case but these guys don't they interact with founders but they're not founders themselves and yet they find themselves in this position where they have this outsized amount of power and voice and speak for founders and talk just total fucking nonsense they have this fucking techno libertarian bent they could use their position to push for unionization. But guess what? Guess fucking what? They don't want that, not because it is impossible, but because it might lose their friends $200,000 that they could very much afford to fucking lose. They hate workers. They act with such loathing towards labor. But they, they, they're just LARPing with the tech industry. They don't fucking interact with it other than poisoning it with their fucking rhetoric. As you can tell, I'm a little bit annoyed about this subject. <laughs> That's why we wanted to bring you on, Ed. Um, Good. One thing that I was wondering about also, Ed, is like, so we saw the, like over the weekend, all the news about the, the SVB collapse happening. A lot of it, like it leads people to, I think, have a certain sense of like foreboding when they see these things. Cause we all, we, you know, if you're old enough, you remember the early stages of the financial crisis and how that looked. And I think I we moved all- to America in September 2008. <laughs> there you go, perfect timing. <laughs> Great timing. Great. And like timing. I think it's I think it's kind of a normal reaction, you know, we live in this kind of zombie economic system where all these systemic issues that caused the, that crisis have never really been addressed. I think we're all kind of like waiting for this other shoe to drop and there's these moments that come. You saw at the beginning of the pandemic where they kind of felt like it was happening again then and then the kind of can gets kicked down the road. So I think everyone is kind of like living on this edge of like waiting for this this kind of house of cards to fall down. So I think it's kind of a normal reaction in these moments is to wonder like, is this happening? Is, is it happening this time? And it seems like they have avoided any broader uh, collapses, or they like it seems like they've they've kind of like been able to localize it and and prevent it from spiraling into anything worse. But I think that was the question that I had, like whether is this just sort of an anomalous incident uh, with SVB? Like, is this? I mean, it's not really anomalous when we live in this economic system that's constantly facing these these different it's crises. Also, not just SVB. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Is it is Several it the first domino died. to fall or? Is it a symptom of a larger problem or is it just uh, an isolated incident? So it's a symptom of a larger problem that I think you're going to get see fixed because no one wants to be caught with their pants down again like this. So remember, it wasn't just SVB. Signature Bank also got pulled into receivership at the same time. I'll get to them in a second. And then Silvergate, I believe, died last week. In all three of these cases, well, in the case of SVB and Silvergate, at least, they'd all done long-term bets when interest rates were low, then had to sell those for a loss. And in the case of SVB, they were actually going to be okay if every VC, okay, not every VC, a lot of prominent VCs didn't email all their companies going, hey, can you pull your money out just now? Because bad. And then the head of SVB, who I should be clear, has a great deal of guilt within this situation. It's his fucking fault. They repealed the Dodd-Frank laws, I believe. Like, he's a 
fucking asshole. I hope he goes to prison or something else that I would never say out loud. And he, but in both of those cases, they have highlighted a problem with how banks manage risk. And I think that now that's happened, it could avoid it in the future just because no one wants to be one of these banks right now. No one wants to have this much attention. I realize they got bailed out, but they really didn't. Biden's been very clear that the executives in the case of SVB are going to be in a lot of trouble. And I hope he keeps it because if he doesn't, well, I can't vote anyway. But it's a situation where this wasn't like the first financial collapse because that was just like an industry-wide nightmare. I mean, just watch the big, big shot's pretty good on it. I'm not like a banking expert, but yeah, everyone was investing in mortgage securities that were just complete dog shit, underlying, underwriting for mortgages were terrible. That was created then. I don't believe this is the same thing, but the whole market shares is that it is shocking how poorly a bank can be run. It is insane that we have banks that are so undercapitalized or banks that can be fucking run like this. It's crazy. That needs, I don't know how one fixes that. I barely understand how banks work. But the truth is, this isn't like 2008. And what created 2008 was, I just don't know how those conditions would come back. I hope they never do. Do not take this as financial advice. I do not know. But what I'm hoping happens here is everyone kind of wakes up to the fact that a lot of venture capital goes in very stupid directions, that venture capitalists have centralized power. And I don't mean all of them. I mean like five or six big VCs, the ones that like the – I forget what Peter Thiel's one is. He was the one of the first people to make the call. He should be held accountable. Don't think he ever will. Don't think anyone's going to do anything. But if the let me just say this: if a single tech industry head listens to this, if you want to change how people view the valley, it is time to ostracize people like David Sachs, Jason Calacanis, Mark Andreessen, who are pushing these reactionary, libertarian, anti-worker mantras. They need to be treated with scorn. The problem is they hold such an outsized amount of power, of influence, and raw capital that people are scared. Understandably, no one wants the wrath of Andreessen Horowitz. No one wants the wrath of Peter Thiel. They want to keep doing their businesses, and they kind of need to. But you're in this situation where you've got this like venture mob who clearly, they nearly fucking killed the startup ecosystem. It's insane. And no one is like, I guess me and Ed, everyone in so like, guess up, guess we did, but the heads of tech companies, like Mark Benioff, where is Mark fucking Benioff right now? Where are you, Mr. Wahana? Wake up, say something, say, stop fucking attacking, stop comparing journalists to Nazis. Mark, other Mark, where is he? Nowhere. Aaron Levy of Box, huge following. Now is the time. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. No solidarity with the workers, no solidarity with even the startup ecosystem because they're afraid or they just don't give a shit. And it's time these people said something because people, friends of mine, not just clients, friends of mine were scared. They thought their entire fucking livelihoods and the livelihoods of the people they relied upon were about to be burned. And however you feel about tech companies, these people that I'm talking about, they're not the ones going on Twitter talking about journalists being Nazis or why workers are bad or people are woke or unwoke or whatever bullshit they're talking about. They're just people with jobs, fucking companies. Like they're just regular, as regular as one can be working in the Valley. I realize that there is a massive difference between a tech worker and a regular worker, but it's just so sickening because unless tech recognizes this problem, this terrible image they have and actively addresses it and says, we are not all like this, and we decry those who will speak about workers or people like this. Unless they do that, when this happens again, because something like this will happen, they will have people piss on them. They will go, fuck you, I don't give a shit, and why would they? Why would they, when the loudest voices are so fucking noxious? That's the, I mean, if we are in a situation like this again, which... The, the risk these banks have taken on with some of these bonds, there is nothing that comes with this assistance that 
prevents another situation like this other than, you know, just hoping and praying more people don't take all their money out and go to a different bank. And that seems to also be part of that sector's messaging. It was JP Morgan, all the way up to financial guru Jim Cramer on CNBC, really touting JP Morgan Chase over the weekend. Oh, it's a, it's rock solid. That's the place to go, which is only going to make things worse. And as they talk about, oh, we need to prevent contagion and we need to, we need to stop this immediately by also simultaneously pointing to huge financial institutions as rock solid and a safe place to move your money. You're going to do that when all of these banks have taken on all of these other bets <clears throat> in the form of bonds. Because with the repeal of Glass-Steagall, that allowed them to take depositors' money and invest it in other ways so they can continue to make more money on top of other investments. You know, in t- 2008, yes, it was a lot of mortgage-backed uh, securities, collateralized debt obligations, and I mean, also some of these same banks were just issuing shit mortgages that they knew the applicants definitely shouldn't have been receiving, but they did it anyway because they wanted to make more and more money. And they figured with the risk spread out and also uh, within larger pools of mortgages, that would have mitigated any uh, you know dire financial consequence. But that obviously was not the case. With this, again, they keep pointing to J.P. Morgan Chase and other big financial institutions as a safe haven. By doing that, this is the this is the consequence, and there's no real restriction or regulation on what these banks can do with your deposits because these same banks also lobbied against tougher regulations on, quote, smaller banks. So I, I just <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's only a matter of time before something like this happens again, and then I assume everyone's just going to look to the government for uh, another uh, another olive branch or a life I mean, preserver, whatever, yeah. whatever the analogy you want is. Until we fix the problem of centralized venture capital and large amounts of money sitting unused, specifically in venture, then – we will recreate a situation like this. It's going to be harder because, yeah, there's going to be a great deal of – like Signature Bank, for example. They weren't shut down because of a bank run. They were shut down because the FDIC took a look inside and went, oh, have you seen – I'm using a technical term here. Your shit's all fucked up and looks bad. Like your shit looks real bad yeah. inside this. They lost confidence in the bank when they looked inside. First of all, why are they not looking inside all the time? What? Yeah. Why are you? Do, why are you not? Does the government not check? Like, what is going on? That I realize most of us are learning the banking industry for the first time. I personally am. I knew some stuff. This is all new. But just to, to, every year, the IRS sticks its head up my asshole, and you're telling me these fuckwits were allowed to run these insane, broken systems, and it was fine. Yeah. And like you're but saying, now it's, it's not fine. Like yeah, and like you're saying, it's not. It's not like it's just this one okay. financial institution that's being run like that. More likely is that it's this example of a systemic issue that's pervasive across this entire kind of rotten and corrupt industry. But what gets worse is you mentioned the 2008 financial crisis and how mortgages. There were lots of mortgages that shouldn't have been able to give to people. You want to know the actual result of that? People who actually should get mortgages now can't. But the same people, the rich people at the top, they could always get mortgages. They still can. It's fine. Yeah. But now it's so much harder for a person to get a mortgage. It's so much harder. And it's because of the actions of rich people. It's just truly awful, all of that stuff. But in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, it was something very much simpler, which was they made fucking dumb investments in long-term investments. And then they didn't really get bailed out because all the banks have – to have to pay into this fund anyway. And now people are saying, oh, well, they'll pass it on to the customers, to which I say, how? If you can tell me how, I'll be angry. I'll get, trust me, I've got plenty of anger left in me. I'll be fine. But until someone tells me that, I'm not listening to that. I'm more concerned with the fact that none of the people who who mobilized this bank run appear to be in any trouble. Peter Thiel should have been run out of town for many reasons. It's just abominable that these people are going to get off scot-free. And maybe the CEO of, of Silicon Valley Bank gets in trouble. I hope so. I hope he goes to prison. He should. Because it sounds like they sounds like he basically did a share sale 
a week before this shutdown. There's some dodgy stuff there. But to fix this, fixing this really comes down to we need to regulate banks so that they can't just run out of money. That would be a very good start. Yeah. Really basic thing. If I run out of money, there isn't anyone to give me more. <laughs> no. Because I'm just a person. And it's just that is the that is ultimately what most people are gonna think of this. I wouldn't get money if I ran out of money, but the banks did, and so the tech did, and tech sucks. Tech should be at this third thing and saying, okay, we need to ostracize the people that cause this. But they won't, they won't, they can't. Fills me full of angry bile. Yeah. One, you got to wonder too, it's like paying attention to Silicon Valley, like whether this is going to be kind of the death knell for this kind of bonanza of, of cheap money in Silicon Valley. You're shaking your head because you imagine that's nope. not going to be the case. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't seem to Nothing's be too eager to change. Not a single goddamn, not a single goddamn thing is going to change because absolutely no one is held like, like you can't really point to a villain here. The worst thing is going to happen is that Jason Calacanis is going to get to feel good for a few days or weeks. To be fair, he feels nothing, I'm sure. Just completely empty. But no one is going to change their ways because they've already been giving less funding because they all realized in 2021 that was 2021, that was just an interest-free economy. Like that was 2020 and 2019, 2018 weren't. And I think that people have significantly misunderstood how history was. Like we had the insane rounds came in 2021. That was when shit got stupid. And that was because there was a post-pandemic spending boom and then zero, they had lots of loans and it was fucking, it was opulent and ridiculous. And the rise of crypto as well should have been the sign that we were about to have a, a bubble burst. But instead, and this is the only thing I'll really ding the media for over this, the fact that the media wholesale accepted crypto, that makes me significantly angrier than the Silicon yeah. Valley bank thing. Because real people didn't really get hurt because obviously nothing got lost. But the fact that all these companies were able to raise all these money, this money and trick real people into spend, spending it on this broken, other broken institution. I mean, it just, I'm all over the place, but there are real villains that, hey, any VC who puts significant amounts into crypto should be run out of town too. Like crypto should not be part of the startup ecosystem. It is inherently corrupt and supporting it is ethically questionable i can understand if you've got like a security company in crypto or if you've got something with like technology within it that could be used for something else fine but if you're talking about cryptocurrency i, I just it, we've reached the point where if silicon valley doesn't want everyone to fucking hate them for the rest of time they need to push out things like that they need to treat the gig economy as a problem rather than a solution they need to see they need to get back to actually making interesting things. In fact, Mark Andreessen wrote a thing in 2020 saying it's time to build. What have you fucking built, Mark? What you building? What's the plan, shithead? Posts. Well, you got Clubhouse. He's, yeah. got, he's got Clubhouse. Yeah, Clubhouse. A Clubhouse, $4 billion valuation for a shit ventrilo, which everyone can join and talk complete nonsense. Fuck you. God damn it. <laughs> that had a moment for, what, three weeks? And then just yeah, nobody talked fun. about it again? That was that was great. It's so funny now. It's entirely like scams and like channels called like manifest your dream car. <laughs> so yeah. cool. Well, you talk about crypto as well. Like it was really amazing to see over like in retrospect with everything that happened with FTX and what's happened with the crypto market since then. These like prominent Democrats that went on TV and tried to hawk this shit, and the prominent uh, uh, Democratic leaning consultancy firms that were deeply implicated in it as well. Kind of very interesting to yeah. note. I Everyone wanted the money. Everyone wants the free money until the money goes bad, until the money gets lost by Sam Bankman Freed. But again, I've said this in the article about today. It's people are angry at tech and justifiably, but the people to be angry about are the venture firms that back things like Theranos without due diligence, FTX without due diligence. Uber, the, I made this point in the piece, had the early investors in uber said hey travis what you are describing is a labor law violation instead of saying oh work with bradley tusk to help break down labor laws how about you 
pay a reasonable amount. And then Travis would have said, well, there's no way to make a profitable company on this. Then they would have said, well, it sounds like a fucking stupid business then, Travis. You're going to have to find out a way to do this. Charge more. That would have been the answer. They conditioned, Uber conditioned the pricing of the gig economy. Had Uber stayed, when Uber began, it was a black town car service that had to abide, I believe, by livery laws in San Francisco. Had they stuck to that, where it was like, let's abide by laws, but add a software layer that allows these to be called quicker, and it will cost more so that people can eat and live in a house. Maybe this would Uber would not be this massive. Maybe Uber could actually have aspired to be a generational change in labor. Yeah, people would have paid more for it. I believe so. They perhaps wouldn't have grown as fast, but they would have grown ethically. But no, Uber has never turned a I think they might have turned a profit last quarter because they sold a company they owned or they had an equity exit of some kind. But that's a great example of if you're angry at tech for that, be angry at those who funded it, who incentivized these companies. Because it's really not all of venture capital. It's a few, call them 10 VCs. They are the ones that have the outsized pocketbooks and they're the ones that have the connections to help give these companies life. They're the ones who get them the preferential software company uh, contracts. They're the ones who get them preferential real estate. They're the ones who help them. If they put that to good use, that would be truly, that would live up to what they say about Silicon Valley being this world changer. Instead, oh, Jesus Christ, we've got labor violations on top of labor violations. And now some of these gig economy companies are falling apart. Instacart's dying on its ass. Postmates had to sell itself to Uber because it didn't make money. They're all falling apart anyway. You could have had more money for longer, but no, you had to get it first. It's just disgusting. Well, and even a lot of these major tech companies, uh, Meta, companies like Amazon, they're all laying off you know thousands of workers at the same time. So it does kind of feel like the Silicon Valley bubble has already popped. And even though we haven't totally seen all the consequences of it. Except when you look at Meta, they're making billions of dollars of profit. Amazon, same deal. Google, same deal. All the, all the companies, Salesforce. Well, Salesforce loves losing money, but that appears to be another problem. And that problem being no one knows what Salesforce does and everyone hates it who uses it. But in the case of Meta, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, great example. All these companies are making plenty of money. At least $10 billion in the green. But... They are laying off people because now they can. And there's a theory going around that they did it to kind of hoard labor so that other people didn't hire them. No. Bullshit. They were using them for something. I don't believe people were sitting around with a thumbs up their ass all day. And if they were, fire Sundar Pichai. Fire Mark Zuckerberg, even though he can't be fired due to the insane structure of Facebook. But these companies are not evaluated based on being good companies. They're evaluated on growth. And... The bubble is only popping because they're making it pop. They're the ones jettisoning this talent. They don't really have a justification other than a year of efficiency. If we were still, if there wasn't a general thing of inflation vaguely, which was the excuse they used to lay off these people, yeah, they'd have they'd have probably kept them. They probably kept them doing whatever dog shit they were working on, whatever whatever Facebook was doing that involved them not dealing with any of the structural problems of the company or the fact that the product sucks. Like it's just, it's frustrating because there's so the bubble popping is happening because you're kind of seeing venture capital show its ass. It's not about funding the future. It's about funding what's hot. It's no more logical or intelligent than fucking day trading. At this point, so much of venture just follows a trend. Look at all the money going to generative AI. Finally, I can have a search engine that tries to make me kill myself. <laughs> Great. Thank you. <laughs> like, fuck it. Like, n- there are cool generative AI things that are overwhelmed by the massive amounts going into dumber shit. And before it was crypto. Fuck. But there was the Uber for everything. I mean, it's just copying on copying on copying. It's. I don't know how it's stopping, but it needs to. It needs to get fixed. I just don't know how one fixes it. And no, I do not believe SVB dying would have done it. They would have used that as an opportunity to claim that they were the world's biggest victims. So one of the responses from the right has been to blame the bank's uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion policies, which is something every company has. You and I have talked about this before, just kind of this hollow corporate social responsibility a lot of companies take just for positive PR stuff. 
the right has tried to blame the closure uh, and the, this bank's failure on wokeness. And that's an element we see in conversations and in messaging from a lot of these same people that we've talked about before, you know, especially Peter Thiel, uh, Mark Andreessen, a few others. That That's a common target for them as well. Could you talk about the similarities in the rights messaging around SVB and this anti-wokeness uh, from some of these uh, venture capitalists and tech figures? I think you can actually find one very common ley line, which is when was the last time any of the people we just mentioned had a real job? I'm serious. <laughs> like, what, when was the last time they went to somewhere and got a paycheck? When was the last time they did a service for someone that ended in them being paid a salary that they were not directly in charge of? Because that really is it. What do you fucking mean? I don't mean you. I mean them in this yeah. case. What do you mean the bank was woke? What does that mean? Were they investing in all genders bathrooms? Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What is the woke thing they did? Oh, it's because they had that Wall Street Journal piece that mentioned the diversity of the SVP board, I think it was. That writer should be, I should have their keyboard taken away. They should not be allowed on the computer for a bit. Time out. Out you go. I'm not interested anymore. Don't don't talk for a while. Let's work out whatever you're fucking doing before you touch keyboard again. But this messaging makes no sense. And of course, Andreessen, Teal, when did you last do a job, motherfucker? And also, let's be honest, when was the last time you talked to a person of color? Hmm? You ever meet? You ever meet anyone who's transgender? You ever meet a woman? Okay, maybe that's that. I know Andreessen's married. He's met a woman. At least one. And... But seriously, though, have you met a transgender person? Have you met a non-binary person? Have you met them so you'll realize, who fucking cares? <laughs> they deserve their life just as much as you, Eggman. Yeah. Probably a little more. Uh, <laughs> but it's, they are, these people are so steadfastly a- attached to this idea that they are owed their identity and their place in the world. Yet the moment a transgender person wants to live their life, they're demonized. Or the moment a workplace wants to unionize, oh, that's not okay. You can't have what you want because I want what I want. Their messaging breaks down the moment you pierce it even slightly. But the thing is with the right wing and with right wing enjoyers, is they don't give a shit about the actual fundamentals of any argument. It's the one advantage they have over the left and the Democrats in general is that they don't believe in anything. So they'll literally believe in anything. They'll just be like, yeah, I hate this today. Yeah, woke's bad, I guess. What is woke? I don't know. It's the things I don't like. When I like it, it's good. But when it's bad, it's woke. It's just this empty, noxious, meaningless shit. It doesn't... No one talking about the bank being woke actually means anything. Josh Hawley, I think, said something about wokeness. It just... I... You could sit there and list out the largest depositors at SPV and SVB and probably look and see it was like majority white guys and Josh Hawley would go, he'd say nothing. He doesn't care about the fundamentals of his argument. He's appealing to a base of people who also don't care about anything and might be slightly racist or definitely racist. Um, but that's the thing. It doesn't mean anything. There's no, of course, diversity did not cause this. Of course it didn't. What are you fucking talking about? Explain even the beginning of that argument, let alone the middle and the end. Give me an idea of any of this shit. Whenever they say wokeness, because I know one of the one of the lamest tweets I've ever seen. David Sachs responding to Elon Musk saying, I would like to train the unwoke AI, or it's like the, uh, no, sorry, the based AI. Fucking David Sachs is saying based now? What the fuck are you talking about, old man? You need to go and have a lie down. No one understands. You sound insane. What are you talking about? You fucking people? Like, it just, all of this drives me a little crazy because they're so detached from the world and from meaning and from any real person's experience. And I recognize I have privileged myself. I'm very lucky to be where I am. I run a company. I realize that. But at least I talk to a person, a normal person, every day. Like, I have friends who don't run good. Like, it's good. But you need to recognize your place in the world. And I think that brings us back to the ultimate point here, which is if the tech industry really wants people to treat them normally, they need to expect to be treated normally. They need to be approachable. They shouldn't expect to be an elevated class. And I don't think a lot of tech workers truly see themselves in this way. I think just the loud wankers do. And until those people are overrun 
by more sane voices, yeah, people are going to despise tech and they fucking deserve it because these people must be shut up. I don't mean that in any aggressive way of a VC hears this. I'm not wishing harm on anyone. I just wish you were drowned out by more sensible and well-read people. I'm open to some of those Fuck, conversations. I'm so tired of these know, people but, making you – know. <laughs> I'm just so tired as well. Like that Andreessen comment about Edward Ongueso, it's like <laughs> fucking hell. Like what an insult to every Jew reading that. Fuck you, man. Like I, I wish my grandmother was still, my grandmother was 94 years old when she passed. So many of her family killed the Holocaust. I can't imagine the shit she did. First of all, I'd have to explain a lot of stuff to her because she was not technical, but also just I think a, a multi-billionaire comparing someone's very obviously not what they think statement comparing that to the holocaust is just so disgraceful yeah. it's disgusting uh well we don't want to take up too much of your time ed i mean do you have any uh, closing thoughts or what should people take away from this or which company should they invest in which which apes should they buy um, yeah this is this is financial advice ape, of official <laughs> but also is that's actually a good place to end on the apes of course how could tech possibly not understand that people hate it like if, if you're in tech and don't understand why people would be angry at tech look at everything that's happened putting aside uber because i believe the average person i think they're more aware of it but they're not fully aware of the labor abuse that uber created the multiple companies but they are aware of what fdx did and they are aware of how exploitative cryptocurrency was. And they sat there and were tricked and conned by VC-backed companies into believing that investing in a picture of a monkey was somehow a good investment. And these people were desperate. They were post-pandemic and post-2008 financial crisis. People cannot generate wealth anymore. The average person is fucking disconnected from that system entirely. 3% a year, if they were so lucky to get it, would not be sufficient to even buy a fucking house these days. Not even close. So when tech engineered a completely false and manipulated market and made a promise to the regular folk in the Super Bowl with Jimmy Fallon, put him in jail, I hope he goes to jail. Oh, yeah. All of these people in tech push this noxious and completely made up manipulated currency. And then all of the people who invested, literally, if you invested on the day of the Super Bowl and didn't sell immediately, you lost all your money. At least, well, okay, not all of it, probably half of it, maybe even three quarters. Tech, tech needs to, even if you weren't in crypto, you need to realize the people that were hurt, there are many people who've been hurt by tech, but the most notable ones right now, tech has become part of the unfair financial system. And SVB, Getting that not bailout, yeah, that's going to play into that narrative. Now tech should be getting out there and saying, yeah, we decry the people who act recklessly. But they won't. And until they do, until they recognize that not only are tech workers not an elevated class and that tech entrepreneurs and founders are no better than a general construction entrepreneur, until the word startup is not described romantically but realistically, we will keep repeating these cycles where people hate tech more and more and more and more. And right now, tech has no fucking friends on either either side. And that is tech's problem to fix. Great place to leave it. Yeah. Ed, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Where can people find um, you you and, and subscribe to your Substack? Easy.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter, E-D-Z-I-T-R-O-N on Substack. Oh, sorry, on Twitter as well. I just want to end this with some good news. Jesse Singal has deleted his account from Twitter. <laughs> I did that. see that. He must have been in touch what with his legal team. wonderful pieces of news. Yeah, he must have been in touch with his legal team. Yeah, this is... <laughs> I'm going to take a step back, I, folks. I, R.I.P. Bozo. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for having me, though. I love coming on. Thanks, Ed. Cheers. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Canon our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening.